that punishment that you deserve for all the times where you've broken my laws, guess what? I paid for all those crimes in full with my blood. He bled and died on a rugged cross so that you don't have to face the second death. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Revelation is the last book in the Bible, so it should be pretty easy to find. would like to say thank you to Pastor Ravert and all the volunteers uh, and laborers at Anchor Baptist Church. And I'd like to say thanks to Pastor Tim and all the laborers here. Uh, when I came to these youth conferences and youth events as a teen, I would show up, see all the decorations. I'd be like, wow, that's cool. And then not think another thing of it, but everything that you're seeing tonight, every, every game you enjoyed, those chocolates, someone had to cover all that nasty food with chocolate uh, leading up to this. So a lot of work has gone into this. And if you, if you encounter any volunteers during this conference, or Pastor Raver, Pastor Tim, uh, tell them thank you, because they have put hours of labor into this so that you can hear from God over the next couple of days. And don't make the same mistake I did as a teen, taking it for granted. Uh, say thanks to the laborers who were involved in this and those who drove you here and risked their lives uh, in, in some deep water to get here. Uh, my wife and I, we drive a 96 Camry and going through some of those puddles, I was getting worried that the Granny Mobile was not going to make it. But thankfully, we got here safely uh, and it looks like everybody did. So we're here in Revelation chapter 3. But before we get into the message, I'd like to get a little uh, bit better acquainted with you and so one really good question to ask uh, that I can get to know you pretty quickly is, since the beginning of this year, and youth workers, I need your help because you know your teens, and if they're not being honest, I want you to call them out, okay? So youth workers, are you with me? Can you, can you help me out with that? Okay. So since the beginning of this year, so January of 2021, until this point, has there been a moment in time this year that you have been in trouble with your parents. If you have, raise your hand. So your mom, your dad's been mad at you. Uh, you've gotten a spanking. Maybe uh, you're in a Filipino home. Your mom pulled out the chinelas. Okay, maybe. In, in my house, it was a spatula. And every time that thing came out, it wasn't a cooking utensil. I knew I was going to get it, okay? So in the last year, you've gotten in trouble. Raise your hand again. I just want to see. It looks like we have a pretty honest group trying to see who's not raising their hand. Anybody? Okay. Okay, pretty honest group. Okay. Over the course of the summer, so those summer months, you're probably with your family even more. Uh, did you get in trouble during the summer? Your mom, she was mad. Uh, she maybe yelled at you a little bit, whatever it was, in the summer. In the summer. Okay, a couple of hands down. Youth workers, call them out if they're not being honest, because I have a hard time believing. That, that there's some kids in here. Perhaps they're only children. Who knows that only children hardly ever get in trouble because they have no one to argue with? Who knows that's a fact? Okay. Yeah, I have a little bit of a problem with only children because they've never learned to argue. They've never learned to fight. Okay. And if an only child doesn't get in trouble, just wait for college. Just wait till you get married. You'll find out you're just as much a sinner as all the other kids who got in trouble this summer. Okay. Now, the school year, it's only been a couple weeks. And so, uh, you know, it hasn't been that long. But since the school year started, since you started going to school, has your mom or dad got mad at you? Have you gotten in trouble over the last couple of weeks? Raise your hand if that is the case with you. Okay, okay, okay. Wow, we either have some really good kids or some really good liars, okay? Now, here, here's the biggest question. Today, prior to this youth conference, so from sometime between the time you woke up till now, did you get in trouble with your mom or dad? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay, we won't ask why. We won't ask all the details. But man, it's been a rough day for some people in here. Okay, I was at a uh, youth event once, and the preacher asked, who has gotten a whooping? Okay, he was from the South. That's just Southern terminology for a spanking or whatever you call it at your house. Okay, And he asked, and two girls had to get up that morning. They had gotten a whooping. And so I don't know if you've gotten a whooping today. Hopefully uh, things are cooled off. Maybe by the time you get home, your mom or dad aren't going to be upset. But this question does have to do with the message. Because here in Revelation chapter 3, the Lord Jesus is speaking to a church. 
And they were in trouble. And they were in trouble with someone far more powerful uh, than your parents. They were in trouble with the Lord Jesus. And as we pick up in the text in verse 20, Lord Jesus is trying to get their attention. And the first word here, he says, Behold. Now, you'll see that word a lot throughout Scripture. And whenever it comes up, God is trying to get our attention. It means to listen up, to look here, to pay attention, to sit up straight. And over the course of the next couple of days, God is saying to you, Behold, I have something to say to you over the next couple of days. I want you to sit up straight. I want you to listen because God himself wants to speak to you over the next couple of days. And when we as preachers get up here with a Bible in our hand, we are speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus. And he wants you to sit up straight, pay attention because he has something to say to you. And we do not want you to miss it. Now this word behold, I'm sure your parents don't use that word. Uh, if they do, that's just very bizarre, okay? Um, but they have other ways of getting your attention. And so when you think back to those times this year when you got in trouble, when your parents were mad, I don't know how they get your attention. But when I was growing up, my mom liked to use my middle name to get my attention. So my middle name was like my behold. And so quite often, and sometimes rather loudly, my mom would say, Tyler Jonathan. And when I heard that, I knew I was in trouble. And usually it was followed by, meet me at the front door, which was code word for you're going to get a spanking. And they use that terminology if company was around. That way, you know, they don't call the cops or something. They were getting abused or something, okay? So don't worry. I needed and I deserved all the spankings. Wonderful parents. But my mom got my attention with my middle name. And so when I heard Tyler Jonathan, I knew I was in trouble. Now, I don't know what your middle name is, but I'm sure when Pastor Raver hears Nathan Allen, does that remind you of your mother at all? Yes, okay. Might maybe sends chills down his spine. I don't know what your middle name is. I don't know how your parents get your attention when you're in trouble. But when you read this verse, just imagine the Lord Jesus speaking to you. He's speaking to you in love. In verse 19, he says, As many as I love, I rebuke. But he's speaking to you and he's trying to get your attention. And he's saying here, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now in verse 22, he says, Let's hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. But I thought in this passage, it's the Lord Jesus speaking. So what's going on here? Well, the Lord Jesus is saying, we know that before he ascended to heaven, after he lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, bled and died on a cross to pay for our sins, rose from the grave, after he did all of that, he ascended to heaven and he promised his followers that he would send his Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, promised to send the Holy Spirit into the hearts of His followers so that they could continue to teach what He had begun to teach them while He was on earth. And so here tonight, obviously the Lord Jesus is not bodily with us. We cannot feel Him. We cannot touch Him right now. But His Spirit is in the heart of every single one of you here tonight who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen. And His Spirit has something to say to you tonight on behalf of the Lord Jesus. And so if you have at least one working ear tonight, because it says, He that hath an ear. So if you have at least one ear that works, can you raise your hand? If you have at least one ear that's working, otherwise we have some sign language going on up here, okay, right? So if you have one ear, I would encourage you, devote your ear to the Lord tonight and let Him speak to you. And I'm going to pray out loud right now, and I would just urge you to pray in your heart and ask God to help you listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say tonight. I'll pray out loud. You pray in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this awesome privilege to get to gather together and to hear directly from you, to hear from your Spirit. Father, we thank you for all the hours of labor that these youth workers, these churches 
have, have invested to make this possible. And we thank you, Father, that your word is alive and it's powerful and that we have the privilege of hearing a message from it tonight. And Father, we just ask that you would help us to listen to your spirit tonight. Please guide my words that I would say only what you want me to say. Nothing more and nothing less. And Father, help us all to give our ear to you, to listen to what you have to say. And Father, I pray that none of us would leave this room tonight the same way we came. Father, please deal with us. If anyone here has not accepted Jesus as their Savior, we pray that you give them understanding of the gospel and that they would be saved. Father, please deal with us now as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in verse 20, the message the Lord Jesus has for you tonight, which the Holy Spirit is trying to convey to you as well. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And we know that this passage was given to a New Testament church. And the Holy Spirit wants to give, us, give it to the churches here. So from the context of this passage, it's as if the Lord Jesus is on the outside of this church and he's knocking on the door. But guess what? He's not just knocking on the door of this church. He's knocking on the door of every single one of your hearts. But why is he knocking? Well, number one, if you're taking notes tonight, if you could write down, first reason why he is knocking, he is trying to get your attention. The Lord Jesus is trying to get your attention. That is why he is knocking on your heart's door. Back when I was a freshman in college, so this is 2016, feels like a long time ago, it was the first day of college and I was at Target uh, getting some supplies for school, and that day changed my life. Uh, not because I bought any uh, particularly interesting items at Walmart, uh, at Target, uh, but there, for the first time, uh, a, a young lady with curly hair a beautiful young lady, caught my attention. And for the next couple weeks, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the fresh, freshman frenzy, and you're getting there, you're, you're checking out all your options for future spouses. That's what everyone's doing. And uh, I've spotted someone at Target. Um, but the problem is she got my attention, but I needed to get her attention in some way. And so over the next couple of weeks, I noticed her wherever, wherever she'd pass by. I noticed if she was in my classes. And one day, I felt like I had a good chance. I was in class, and she was sitting off to the left. I can remember it like it just happened. And uh, the teacher was asking for the names of each student, kind of introducing people. I was like, here's my chance. I can get her name, and I can just walk up to her one time and say, hey, Andrea, and then I'll be good to go. So I was like, this is my chance. So I'm listening really intently. And my luck, she says her name really quietly, and I, I thought I made it out, and I had an idea of what it might be, but it sounded kind of unusual. And dumb guy that I am, I didn't write it down. And so give it a couple of days, and I totally forgot what her name was, but I didn't forget what she looked like. And so uh, I'm going around campus, and I still need to meet her. I still need to get her attention. And one day, I'm on the phone with my brother-in-law, and I'm telling her, I just can't find her. I can't make a way to talk to her. And he tells me, look, I know that campus isn't that big. You just need to go find her. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I'm, like, I'm going to find her. So I knew she hung out in the computer lab. So I'm like, I'll go to the computer lab. I have no reason to go there. I have nothing to do on a computer. But she's there. So I went to the computer lab. And she, again, is sitting up to the left. So I'm like, this is my chance to get her attention, to meet her. And so I'm sitting there. And I'm like, well, what do I do? I, I don't know how to do this. So I'm on the computer, I'm like, well, maybe I'll print something. She's sitting near the front, I can walk by her, maybe I'll start a conversation as I'm printing something, maybe, I don't know. So I, I print something, I walk by, and later I find out, at that point, I did get her attention, okay? She saw that I looked over at her, I guess I wasn't, wasn't very, you know, coy with it, pretty obvious, uh, but still, I didn't know what to say, I was too shy. So I went to the back of the computer lab, and I sat down awkwardly, and faked working on the computer, uh, until something happened. So then I get another chance. And all of a sudden, her and her friend, the one that she was glued next to the whole time, you know there's always those girls who are glued next to someone like the entire time? And it made it really hard to try to you know, get in with her because I didn't want to approach two girls at the same time. I was already intimidating enough to, to reach out to one. 
So, man, I was struggling. So I'm sitting at the back, and I have this opportunity. And, and they turn around, and they ask, are you in U.S. history class? I'm like, this is my chance. They're reaching out. And then I said, no. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, man, I missed it. Why? And I'm sitting there like, oh, what do I do? I, I got I to gotta take advantage. I got to talk about U.S. history. I mean, something. Uh, but no, nothing came. And finally, um, she just made the first move, introduced herself. Finally, I had the chance to give her my name. And finally, throughout all the course of all that, I had her attention. And the rest is history. And a few years later, Andrea Brooke Tanuni and I got married. And, uh, but the point of that story is, it took me a while to get her attention. I was too shy. But the Lord Jesus, he's not shy. He's trying to get your attention tonight, and he's knocking on your heart's door. And you know what? I would venture to say that tonight is not the first time that the Lord Jesus has tried to get your attention. Maybe you're thinking, I don't remember a time where he's tried to get my attention. Well, you know what? There are a few reasons why. Sometimes we don't hear the Lord Jesus knocking. We don't hear him speaking when he's trying to get our attention. You know what one of those reasons is? Sometimes we're not at home when he knocks on the door. You know, if someone knocks at your door and you're at school, you're not going to hear the door knock. And so sometimes the Lord Jesus has something to say to you. He, he, he's ready to get your attention. And you don't show up at church. And you miss the opportunity for God to get your attention. And so Christian young person, can I encourage you, don't let your church attendance be sporadic. Don't let it be just because there's a big event or the, the, the youth pastor really pulled your arm and somehow got you there. Determine that you are going to be at church every time you can possibly be there. Why? Because the one time you miss church could be the time that the Lord Jesus had a special message for you. So sometimes we miss out on hearing from the Lord because we're not in the house. But sometimes the problem isn't that we're out of the house. We're in church. We're in teen class. We're where God's word is being taught and preached. But sometimes you can be in the presence of God and your heart is so far away that you don't hear him knocking. And if I could just speak to those teens who are here tonight, who've grown up in church, please know the message tonight is as much to you as anyone else. This was originally given to Christians. And if you have grown up in church and you have grown so used to hearing these Bible stories and and, and about these, these people in the Bible, and, and you've grown callous to it, and you come to church and you almost yawn, and you say, well, I hope the preacher isn't boring today. I hope the sermon isn't long. And your heart has become so far from God, you can be in his house, and you don't hear him knock. And that is a serious problem. And I would encourage you tonight to confess that to God. If you have been going church for, to church for a long period of time and your heart has not been stirred, your heart has not been moved, you can't even remember the last time that the Lord Jesus really got your attention, then something has got to change. And when you're in the house, your heart needs to be ready to hear from the Lord. Here's a third reason why we don't hear Him getting our attention. Sometimes we could, we could be in the house, we go to church, you know, when our parents bring us, we go regularly. But sometimes we don't hear him knock because there is far too much noise in our lives. How many of you remember back in the summer that heat wave? That about, it actually did take some people's lives, so we, we don't want to joke about that. But it was pretty brutal. How many of you remember that heat wave? Okay, that was awful. Uh, most people here in the lower mainland, we don't have air conditioning. And so uh, my wife and I, we live in an apartment next to my parents. And they have one air conditioning unit that's normally in my grandparents' bedroom. So what we did was we put the air conditioning unit in the kitchen in my parents' house, and we all huddled around that thing uh, for most of the heat wave to try to keep cool. Okay? So we had the air conditioner going. We had fans going at either side of the house. And my parents had just got home from the States. And so they were quarantining. Who has had to do a quarantine? because of COVID. Aren't those wonderful? Yeah. They're good for about the first two days, and the rest of the time, you want to kill the people you're staying with. It's just bad news, okay? So my parents had to quarantine in the middle of that heat wave, and then the COVID Gestapo 
apparently, you know the COVID Gestapo, they come by to make sure you're quarantining so that you as a healthy person can't infect other healthy people, you know? You know how it goes? So, so they come by the house, apparently, and we found out because they left something in the mailbox. And so they probably knocked on the door. They maybe could have even yelled from the front door. But you know what? Because we had that air conditioner going, we had fans going, because there was so much noise, we never heard the knock at the door. And the COVID Gestapo thought Pastor and Mrs. Mackay weren't home during the quarantine because there was too much noise. And I know the problem in your life, it's not fans and it's not air conditioning. But the noise that you face in your life comes in all forms and sizes. It could be video games. Who in here just loves video games? Nothing wrong with liking video games. Video games can be good in moderation, okay, but video games, that can be a form of noise. What about social media? I mean, there, there's so many apps, I'm not gonna list them because then you'll know that I, I'm not on social media, I'm not up with the times, okay, but social media is something that can be noise in your life. Whatever platform that you spend time on, YouTube, TV shows. I mean, you know what consumes your time. You know what consumes your attention. And guess what? If you spend, and I think the average is something like eight hours a day. If you spend eight hours a day in front of a screen consuming all kinds of content that is anti-God, that is anti-Bible, and it might not even be completely evil, but you're just spending that much time with all this noise, all these voices from different places in your life. When you show up at church, for one, two, three hours a week. Do you really think that is going to make a difference after you have filled your mind with so much noise? It can't. And then you show up at church and your youth pastor or your pastor, he's pouring his heart into teaching you God's truth. And you're just sitting there like, man, when's this going to be over so I can go home and play my video game? Or when's this going to be over so I can check my phone? And because you've got so much noise in your life, God comes and he knocks on the door of your heart. And you don't hear him speak. And so, you know, in moderation, these things aren't always bad. And God has given us things richly to enjoy. But if there is so much noise in your life that you can't hear the voice of God, it's time for something to change. God is trying to get your attention. He's been trying for a while, and he's trying tonight. Will you give your ear to listen? So why is the Lord Jesus knocking? Well, first of all, He's knocking because He wants to get our attention. Number two, He wants you to open the door so He can come inside. Now, I'd like you to imagine a scenario, okay? We've just been talking about video games, social media, whatever it might be, okay? You're in the middle of your favorite video game. Or, girls, you're in the, fi- the middle of your favorite TV show, okay? Or, guys, you're in the middle of a basketball game. It's the fourth quarter, it's tied. Uh, your favorite player, he, he, he's doing so good. Okay, You're in the middle of something. You're engrossed in this. And then you look out the window. And coming down the path to your house is your pastor. Now, be honest with me. At that moment in time when you're engrossed in that video game or that basketball game or that TV show, are you going to be very excited about opening the door to your pastor so he can come in? and just wreck that video game and just end whatever you were in the middle of? Of course not. None of us would be excited about that. It, it doesn't matter how awesome your pastor is. I mean, if you're in the middle of something like that, it's going to be rough, okay? But imagine if, if came walking down the sidewalk to your house with the pizza guy, and your mom had just ordered pizza. You think you might be a little more inclined to open the door, pause that video game? I mean, it's pizza on the line, okay? You might be quicker to get to the door. What if it was your favorite athlete or your favorite actor? You know, my favorite basketball player is Stephen Curry. And if he came walking down my sidewalk, about to knock on my door, man, I'd open it before he knocked, okay? But tonight, someone far better than your favorite athlete, your favorite actor, whoever it may be, someone far better, far supreme to any human you've ever met is knocking on your door tonight. And he wants you to open your heart to him. And notice it says, if any man hear my voice and open the door. This offer is to every single one of us in this room. Isn't that awesome? That the God of heaven, that the creator of the universe wants you to open the door of your life and let him in. That the the most powerful being who, 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 who lives 
wants to know you personally and wants to come into your life. There can be nothing better than that. And so why do we hesitate to open the door of our lives to him? i got to encourage you tonight. This is a choice that you have to make. No one else can open the door of your heart to the Lord Jesus. Your pastor can't do it. Your youth pastor can't do it. Your parents can't do it. And believe me, a lot of them wish they could. You, you, you can't fathom how much your parents love you. You can't fathom how much uh, your youth pastor, your pastor love you, how much they want the best for you. But as much as they love you, as much as they'll preach their heart out to you, they can't open the door of your heart to the Lord Jesus. That is a decision that you have to make. And it is not just a decision you make for the first time when you accept Christ as your Savior. This is a decision that you make over and over, day by day, inviting God into every moment of your life. And that is a decision that you have to make. So Lord Jesus, He's trying to get our attention tonight. He's knocking on your heart's door. We know that He wants you to open the door so that He can come in. But why does He want to come inside? Why does He want to have such a big part of your life? Well, number three, if you're taking notes, He wants to come into your life because He wants to satisfy you. He wants to satisfy you. Notice, He says, If any man hear My voice and open the door, I will come into him. And what will he do? And will sup with him and he with me. Now, that is an unusual word. We don't use sup a lot, except if we're saying sup, man, or something like that, okay? But that's not what he's saying here, okay? It's like the same word, uh, same derivative for supper, okay? So it's like he's saying, I will supper with him or I will eat with him. And so the whole reason that the Lord Jesus wants to come into your life, is He wants to eat with you? Wait, what does He mean by that? Well, He's using food as an illustration because I think He knows that food is close to a lot of our hearts. Okay? If you love food, like I mean, food is one of your favorite things in life. Not if you casually like it. Don't raise your hand. I'm just asking those who love food to raise your hand. If it's a big part of your life. Okay, thank you. Th those are my people, okay? If you ask my wife, list of things I love, food is really close to the top, maybe dangerously so, okay? And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, how many of you know my dad, Pastor Mackay? You've at least seen him, heard him preach maybe? Okay. How many of you know Anna Bellavo? I think some of you from GVBC might know her. Oh, quite a few, okay. Wow, Anna Bellavo, more popular than I thought. Okay, I'll have to let her know. That'll make her feel good, Okay. Uh, how many of you, okay, now that we're doing this trivia, how many of you know Mrs. Belleville? Raise your hand. How many of you have been in a class with Miss Belleville? You are blessed. Is she not one of the best teachers in the world? Okay. She taught me kindergarten and grade one. Uh, I almost had her retire from teaching, okay? Uh, but Miss Belleville is awesome. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. So if you ask Anna Belleville, you could get her on the phone right now, and I would if I was a betting man, but we don't dip bet. But if I was a betting man, I would bet money on what she would say. If you asked her, Anna Belleville, who in your life loves food? I know that the first person she would say is Pastor Mackay. Because growing up, uh, the Belleville spent a lot of time at our house. And it would seem like after every meal where Anna Belleville was over at our house, uh, Pastor Mackay would say at the end of the meal, or maybe during it, I love food. Just like that. I love food. Without fail, every time, it would make Anna laugh. And so it's a family joke. Uh, but my dad loves food. I love food. A lot of us love food. But some of us, we probably love food more because of the people we eat it with. And when you think of some of the best memories in your life, maybe of Christmases or youth conferences, some of the best memories we have are of eating with people we love. Spending time around a dinner table, eating food, spending time together. And this is the image that the Lord Jesus is trying to show us. No, he's not coming tonight to offer you a steak dinner or whatever your favorite food is. He's actually offering something far better than that. What he's saying is, I want to come into your life. I want to be the best friend you've ever had. I want to invest in you. I want to spend time with you just across the table, you and me, in close fellowship, 
I want you to know that you are loved. And I want to satisfy the deepest needs of your heart. You see, God has put in us these deep desires that only He can fulfill. And you know what? It doesn't matter how good the food is tonight that we eat later. You're going to get hungry tomorrow. It doesn't matter how good your Christmas dinner is this year. You're going to eat Christmas dinner again next year. Why is that? Because the food that we consume, like Pastor Raver was talking earlier, it's temporal. It's not eternal. We eat and we need to eat again. But you could fill that with any number of things that we try to satisfy our hearts with. And if you are trying to satisfy your heart with anything temporal, if you're trying to satisfy your heart with a relationship, your friends are going to let you down at some point. They were never meant to satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Maybe it's sports. Maybe you love sports. I mean, I was so passionate about sports growing up. I don't think you could get more passionate. I absolutely love sports. But guess what? Basketball never satisfied the deepest longings of my heart. And it won't satisfy the deepest longings of your heart either. The entertainment that you consume, the video games that you enjoy, it doesn't matter how many hours you spend, you always have to go back for more. Why? Because it doesn't satisfy. But you know who satisfies? You know who will fill that void and it will never go empty? You know who says, I am the bread of life. He that believeth on me shall never hunger. Teenager, are you tired of being unsatisfied? Are you tired of going day after day, doing the same things over and over, and finding that they never truly satisfy, that you always need more? Are you tired of the friends you hang out with school letting you down? Are you tired of people always falling short of your expectations? Well, if you're tired of being unsatisfied tonight, then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life, and He is the only one who will ever satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And this message is not just for those in this room who have never accepted Christ as their Savior, which we are speaking to you tonight and calling you. The Lord Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. He wants you to accept Him as your Savior. He wants you to accept Him into your life. But this message is for the Christian teenagers in this room who, like Pastor Raver said, are going after all of these temporary things and finding that they don't satisfy. This message is for you. The Lord Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. He's trying to get your attention. He's speaking directly to you. He wants you to open the door. Why? Because He wants to satisfy you. You know, we often look at the Lord Jesus or we look at God's attempts at reaching out to us and we have such messed up ideas about what God wants to do in our lives. God knocks on the door of our heart. He, he, he tells us He wants to have a close relationship with Him. And you know how we often view that? We think it's a policeman at the door. And we think that the Lord Jesus is coming and say, you're under arrest. I want to make your life miserable. I want to imprison you and give you such a restrictive life that you never have any fun anymore. Now that might sound a little bit funny, but the sad truth is that's how a lot of people view the Lord Jesus. They think, if I get too close to God, if I, go, if I get too into church, if I get too passionate about it, I'm going to lose all my freedom. I'm going to lose all the fun in my life. You know the exact opposite is true? If you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, if you're lost tonight, or if you're a Christian going after all the wrong kind of things, your heart is far away from God. You know what? You already are a prisoner. You're a prisoner to sin. And when the Lord Jesus comes to your heart and He's knocking on the door, He's knocking on a jail cell. And He wants to get you out. He wants to free you from the sin that has been enslaving you. And if you look at him like a policeman who wants to make your life miserable, you're believing the devil's lies. You're no different than Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they believed that disobeying God was better. Enjoying this freedom was better than obeying God. You're no different than them. And your choices will be just as destructive. If you haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus, you're a prisoner. And guess what? It gets even worse. You have been sentenced to death. As Pastor Raver talked about earlier, there is a time that God has appointed. 
a day on his calendar in heaven that only he knows. And that is the day when you will die. And there is nothing you can do to change it. And if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus into your heart, if you haven't let him free you from that jail cell, if you haven't accepted his offer of salvation, you see, when the Lord Jesus comes to your jail cell, you know what he says? He says, look, you deserve to die for your sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And it gets worse than that. The Bible talks about a second death. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, it goes through a list, it says, and all liars, that will get all of us. We're all on this list. He says, all these people shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That moment you stop breathing, that's not what you have to worry about. What you have to worry about is the moment after that. When you stand before a holy God and give account for your life, and if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in trouble. You're facing the second death. You are facing an eternity without God in an awful place called hell. That is the bad news. But when the Lord Jesus shows up at your jail cell, and teenager, who you've been saved tonight, this is for you too. Okay? Yes, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you never have to worry about going to an awful place called hell. But you have to worry about facing God one day and being ashamed that you didn't serve Him during this life. You, you have to worry about losing rewards that God wants to heap upon your life if you would just give your heart to Him. So this is for everyone. Lord Jesus, come to the jail cell of your life, especially those who have never accepted Him as your Savior. And you know what He says? He says, that death sentence that you deserve to pay... That punishment that you deserve for all the times where you've broken my laws. Guess what? I paid for all of those crimes in full Amen. with my blood. Amen. He bled and died on a rugged cross so that you don't have to face the second death. And if you have never accepted his payment for your sin, if you have never had that moment where he, where he came to you in that jail cell, you recognize, I'm on my way to hell. And if I don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be lost forever. If you have never had a point in time where Jesus came to you and you accepted his offer of salvation, you said, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the only way I can be saved. If you have never had a point in time that you have done that, could I beg you, could I urge you to make that decision tonight? It is no accident that you are here this very evening with the Lord Jesus knocking on your heart's door wanting you to accept Him into your life. Don't let this moment go by. An eternity without God is not worth whatever embarrassment or whatever fear you have to endure making this decision tonight. It will be worth it all. And if you let any fear of what someone else might think or, or, or the repercussions, don't let that fear stop you. The Lord Jesus is at your jail cell tonight and He wants to set you free. Do not let this opportunity go by. But can I talk to the Christian young people in this room? The Lord Jesus, if you've accepted Him as your Savior, He's already removed you from that jail cell. He's already given you a new nature. He's already put the Holy Spirit into your life. But you know the tragedy of it all? When you return to your old way of living, when you say, you know what, the Lord Jesus, I know you died for my sin. I know you went through all the agony of the cross to pay for my sin, but I really don't believe it's that big of a deal if I go back and dabble in some of that same sin. I know you died for it. I know you paid for it, but it's no big deal if I disobey my parents. It's no big deal if I do things behind your back. Is that your attitude tonight? Whatever sin it is, you might be able to hide it from your pastor your youth pastor, your parents, but you cannot hide it from the Lord Jesus Christ. He bled and died to rescue you from that sin. And for you to return to it is to almost spit in your Savior's face and to say that His sacrifice was not worth anything. That is what it is. To return to our sin. To return to that old way of life. To not work out our salvation. Is to say, Lord Jesus, your payment for me really wasn't worth it. My jail cell really wasn't all that bad. 
Tonight, the Lord Jesus is trying to get a hold of you. And he's saying that sin is wrong. It is destroying your life. Whatever it may be, maybe you're looking at something on the internet that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe you're carrying on a relationship with someone you know your parents would not approve of. Maybe you're not reading your Bible on a daily basis and praying, and you know you should. Whatever it is, confess it to God tonight and make it right. Don't let this opportunity go by. The Lord Jesus, He's not a policeman banging on the door of your heart trying to make your, door, make your life miserable. He's banging on the door of your heart because He wants to rescue you from that sin. So tonight... We've looked at the fact that the Lord Jesus, He's knocking on our heart's door. He's trying to get our attention. Why? Because He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to satisfy you. The reason that He's convicting you right now about a certain sin is not because He wants to make you miserable. It's because He wants to free you from it. So you can enjoy a satisfying relationship with Him. And take it from people who have gone before you. Take it from these pastors who've been following God for so many years. They have never regretted obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. They have never regretted listening to His Holy Spirit. And when He knocks on their heart's door, they have never regretted making the decision to let Him come in and make whatever changes are necessary. So if the Lord Jesus is speaking to you tonight, and I know He is, because His Spirit is here tonight, and He's working in our hearts. He wants to come in. Well, how can you let Him in? Well, can you write these things down? In verse 19 of our text, here in chapter 3, the first thing, we need to get serious. You want to let the Lord Jesus in? Maybe for the first time, you've never accepted Him as your Savior, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but your heart is far away from Him, and it's like He's knocking on the outside. You want to let Him back in? Well, number one, you've got to get serious. Verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore. Zealous means to put your heart in something. To be passionate about it. And I don't know what it is in your life, but there are things in your life that you're zealous about. That you're passionate about. There are TV shows that you don't miss. There are basketball practices that you don't miss for anything. There are things in your life that you're passionate about. Well, tonight, it's time to get passionate. It's time to get serious about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, wants to have a relationship with you. It's time to get serious about it. It's time to put your heart into it. You know what the Lord Jesus had to say to the Christians in this passage who weren't zealous about having a relationship with Him? Who yawned at preaching who thought, big deal, God wants to have a relationship with me. I'm too busy with this other stuff. You know what the Lord Jesus had to say about those type of people? Look in verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You know what? You in this room tonight, the majority of us here, we are rich. In Canada... I mean, we've got so many things provided for. We are a rich nation. And it's very easy for us to get comfortable, for us to sit back and think, I have need of nothing. But look what the Lord Jesus says. You know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He's talking about their spiritual condition. Yes, on the outside, they had it all. And we've got one of the nicest dressed groups of young people. An excellent job dressing up for church tonight. You guys look very sharp. But the Lord Jesus isn't talking about this. He's talking about your heart. And He knows the state of your heart. And if you're not serious about a relationship with God, if it doesn't excite you, your youth pastor pours his heart into giving a Bible lesson, and you think, oh, glad that's over. Whatever the case is, if you are not passionate, if you are not zealous, it's displeasing to the Lord God, and you need to get serious about your situation. That you're, at this point, wretched and miserable and poor and blind, and you need to do something about your situation. So number one, we need to get serious. If tonight you've realized for the first time that without the Lord Jesus Christ, you're headed for an eternity in a place called hell, if this is the first time you're hearing this, 
You need to get serious about it. That's a serious thing. There is nothing more serious than where you will spend eternity. But number two, the Lord Jesus says, you must repent. He says, be zealous therefore and repent. What does it mean to repent? It means to change your mind. And so maybe before tonight, you didn't even really know anything about the Lord Jesus. You didn't, you'd never even opened a Bible. But here you're, you're hearing that on your own, the way your life is headed, because you have broken God's law, you deserve to be judged and go to this awful place called hell. So at this moment in time, maybe before tonight, you didn't think it was really a big deal when you disobeyed your parents or when you did this or that. But tonight, you found out it's a big deal. And so you need to change your mind about your sin and recognize that it's a big deal. And I deserve God's judgment because I have broken His law. And you need to change your mind about your situation and you need to turn to the Lord Jesus and ask Him to save you. Ask Him to change your way of life. And Christian young person, whatever sin it is in your life that you, you're doing a good job hiding from your parents, you might be doing a good job hiding it from your siblings, but you can't hide it from God. And it's a serious matter. And tonight you need to change your mind about it. You need to believe God that it's a serious matter and that it's destructive. You need to change your mind, repent, turn to God, then ask Him for forgiveness and give your heart back to Him. That's what it means to repent, to change your mind. But number three, once you've gotten serious about your situation, you've repented, you've changed your mind about your sin, it's time that you believe. It's time that you believe. Now believe what? You need to believe that the Lord Jesus is who He says He is. God's Word. You're not getting this from me. You're not getting this from another human being. You're getting this from God. God says that His Son, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You're hearing it from God that the Lord Jesus is the only way you can be saved from eternity in hell. And it's time that you believe that tonight. But Christian teenager, it's time that you believe that the Lord Jesus is a friend. He's someone who's knocking on your heart's door. He wants to come in and sup with you. His primary desire is to have a close relationship with you. Yes, there are things in your life that need to change. Yes, there are some sins that need to be confessed, but his primary desire, first and foremost, is to have a relationship with you. And the only reason he's exposing the sin, the only reason he wants you to repent, is so that you can come back into a close relationship with him. But you've got to believe that he is as good as the Bible says he is. That he is as good as our accounts of the cross say he is. I mean, the Lord Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I mean, how much more does the Lord Jesus need to do for us to convince us that he loves us? Is his blood not enough? Is the fact that you're here tonight hearing his voice, is that not enough for us to believe that he personally loves each and every one of us? and is knocking on our heart's door, and wants to have a relationship with us. The message tonight, yes, we've encountered some bad news. Yes, I believe we've been convicted about some sin, but this is good news that the Lord Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He's the good shepherd who wants to guide your life. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But you have to believe that he is as good as he says he is. And number four tonight, and this is where it all leads, if you've gotten serious about your situation, if you've changed your mind about your sin and recognize how serious it is, and if you believe that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is as good as He says He is, then it's time for you to ask Him to come in your heart. In Romans 10, we have one of the best promises in all of the Bible. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you look on the timeline of your life from the day that you were born, whatever that birthday is, till today, if there has never been a specific point in time on that timeline where the Lord Jesus knocked on your heart's door and said, you're in trouble, 
You're headed to an eternity without me. But I died for your sins. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to live in heaven with me forever. I want you to have a relationship with me. Will you just let me in? If there has never been a point in time where you have let him come into your heart, then do so tonight. We are going to give you an opportunity. And if you have any more questions, you can ask a youth worker. We would never want you to go blindly into something. But the Lord Jesus has spoken to you very clearly tonight and you know that he wants to come into your heart, then just let him in. But Christian teenager, maybe the Lord Jesus has spoken to your heart, and you remember a specific time when you let him in. You remember that day when you got saved. But if you think about your life right now, you know that your heart is far away from the Lord Jesus. It's been a long time since you've let him into your life, since you've supped with Him, since you've spent any quality time with Him, and if it's been a long time since you have enjoyed close fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, reading His Word, spending time in prayer, then could I urge you tonight to let Him back in? He's knocking on your heart's door. He loves you. He loves you more than anyone else could possibly love you, and He just wants to make your life better than you can ever imagine. And so will you just let him back in tonight? But maybe you're sitting here this evening and you've been reading your Bible every day. You've been praying. You've been sitting up straight during preaching. You want to know God. You want to have a close relationship with him. Well, can I just encourage you tonight that you can be as close to the Lord Jesus as you want to be. In the book of James, God says, draw nigh to God and he will Draw nigh to you. What a wonderful promise. Tonight, even if, if you've been doing your best, you've really wanted a relationship with God, well, can I encourage you? It can only get better. The Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light that grows more and more under the perfect day. And the Lord Jesus just wants to reveal more of himself to you. He just wants to get closer to you. He just wants to make your life even better. And so would you come tonight and just say, Lord Jesus, I want all of you. I want as much of you as I can get. Would you make that decision tonight? The Lord Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. Will you let him come in tonight? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.